Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. Hello, my name is James Shelby, and I'll be reading Romans 5, 3-5. But not only that, we even take pride in our problems because we know that trouble produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. This hope doesn't put us to shame because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, James, for reading the scripture today. We appreciate you doing that. So why does God allow suffering? This is the series we've been doing for the last couple of weeks, uh, God-sized questions. Those things that we uh, don't understand, we sometimes say, well, I'm going to ask God about that when I get to heaven. Why does God allow suffering? That's something that we don't like. We don't like uh, pain. My, I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if you took a poll of the number one question you would like to ask God uh, when you had the chance. Uh, this might be it. This might be it. Because we don't, we don't like pain. We don't like suffering. We don't like our own, certainly. And we really don't like it with our loved ones. Uh, probably a lot of us have at some time or another said to somebody we deeply cared about, if I could, I would take your pain on so that you would not have to suffer. We hate seeing that because we feel so powerless. And then we want the answer. Why, God, do you allow suffering? Well, we're subjected to uh, pain and suffering and difficulty 24-7, right? I mean, all it takes is uh, finding a piece on the news feed or social media, and you go, oh, there was an earthquake there? Oh, click, and you read the article. Oh, it's horrible, it's terrible. But you know how th- this works, right? Then, then there's the algorithm that kicks in. Oh, this person likes reading those kinds of articles. So next thing you know, you get a, you know, a notice that there was a flood, Oh, whoa, really? What? And then the next thing you know, and so before, it, it can just be this endless rabbit hole that we just continue to be inundated with re- seeing, hearing, learning about difficulty and pain and suffering around us all over the planet. I, I just don't think we were made for that, you know. Um, it, it's not that far back in history that people really, they, I mean, they knew what took place in their own world right around them. If, if something happened, if there was some terrible calamity somewhere else on the planet, they, they, they might find out a couple of weeks later when news finally reached them. But I think people understood there's kind of enough pain and difficulty right here. <laughs> this, is, this is where we live, and this is what we're going to take care of. Well, now it's all over the, all over the place. When uh, some of you would, will remember in 2004, uh, that tsunami that hit uh, Indonesia and it was it was horrendous. I mean, it was just. I mean, I, the number I, I've heard is something over 150,000 people uh, who died, missing, uh, displaced, injured, uh, just horrendous, right? So sometime in the in the that year following that, uh, I, w- I was working at a different church, and we were uh, all headed into staff meeting. And one of the staff members is walking along, looking at her phone, and she says, uh, "There's there's a tsunami warning in California." 
So, of course, what comes to mind is the images that we had seen of the tsunami in Indonesia. And, and of course, you know, that's horrible, terrible. And, and many of us have family or friends that live in California. And so you start thinking, oh, my goodness, what's that going to... And so we get in there, everybody gets to the staff meeting, and we, and we can't even get started because everybody's checking their phone, you know, checking the notices. Has something happened? And, and so finally, I just had to say, you know, friends... We can't, we can't just sit around and wait to see if something's going to happen. We don't know. We hope not. But, you know, we do have some other things to do. So tell you what, let's all put our phones down, face down. We're going to pray. We're going to trust God. And we're going to have our staff meeting. But that's the kind of cycle we get caught up in, right? I mean, you, there's something terrible, and then there's this piece of news or that warning or that. And then we're, we're riveted to, to the suffering. So, part of our challenge, of course, is that we often associate the notion of, of good with an absence of pain and suffering. And so, when we talk about a, a God that we believe to be good, well, there's, there's the conundrum, right? How, so, how can a good God allow suffering? So, that's part of our challenge. And, and what we want to know is an answer. We want to know an answer. We, that's, and we prefer simple answers. I said that a couple of weeks ago. We prefer simple answers. And yet there are some things that are they're not answerable in the way that we want them to be answerable. I mean, using that same idea, God, why does a good God allow suffering? Okay, so uh, a lot of people in this room uh, are parents. You've raised kids. Uh, even if you have not raised your own kids, you might have helped raise a kid somewhere along the way or done some child care or something. And, um, and I think most of us would say, well, I'm not perfect, but I think I was a pretty good parent, right? And then, the, you know, one of the kids comes in and I fell down and I skinned my knee and they're crying and they're hurting. Or the kid breaks, breaks his arm playing on the trampoline at the neighbor's house and he fell down against the retaining wall. Oh, that was my son. Uh, you know, there's just always those things, but it's not that we allowed it to happen, right? It, it just happens. Part of life is pain. Part of life is suffering. And, and I know we, we want to live in denial of that. No, it can't be. That can't be. We want it to be easy and comfortable and everything's fine. A lot of us uh, years ago probably read a book by Scott Peck called The Road Less Traveled. And he, he just had one of those great opening sentences. You know, some books have that great opening sentence, and it's just like, okay. And his first sentence in the book was, life is difficult, period. Life is difficult. And he goes on to say, if, the sooner you accept the fact that there's difficulty in life, the healthier and the happier you're going to be. You can't act like you can't be in denial about it. It's going to happen. So accept it and then learn how to have a healthy response to it. So maybe it's a different question. Instead of just asking, what's, you know, hey, I want to know why God allows suffering, maybe asking different questions. There's a saying I've become familiar with. There's, there's only half a foot distance between knowledge and wisdom. There's only half a foot distance between knowledge and wisdom. Uh, and boy, that's, that's certainly true. I mean, they're related, 
But there is that gap, and, and we all know somebody who has a whole lot of knowledge, but not much wisdom, right? Well, we often want the answer, because that, but that's more about knowledge, right? We want to know. Well, maybe looking at pain and suffering from a wisdom perspective will be helpful. So the scripture passage uh, that James read for us, uh, you know, you might remember it starts out, but more than that, and I don't know about you, but when that's your first sentence, it's like, well, wait, more than what? Well, let me read the first two uh, verses that lead into that because it's, it's important to see this in context. Now, before I read it, remember what's going on. Paul is writing this letter to the Christians in Rome to teach them and encourage them in their faith. So, when you think back to world history, Roman Empire, first century, what was the climate like around toward Jews and Christians? Well, it was not friendly. It was not friendly at all. And, there, and, 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 the, and the empire went by the myth of Pax Romana, which was the peace of Rome. Because they, I mean, they would tell the world, we are the peaceful kingdom. Well, yeah, because it was brutally enforced. If there was, I mean, there was dissent, there was dis- disagreement, there was, and they had the force to stop that before it ever got going. It was a brutal empire. So it was a forced peace. Those were the people Paul's writing to. And he's going to talk about the peace of God, which is different. So, Romans 5, Therefore, since we have been made righteous through his faithfulness, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have access by faith into this grace in which we stand through him, and we boast in the hope of God's glory. So, what Paul is trying to teach them, I mean, we kind of, we jumped ahead, I know, we jumped ahead in the scripture reading, but what Paul's teaching them is God has already accomplished these things. God has already provided grace. God has already provided uh, uh, hope. God has already provided peace. Before there's ever any conversation around suffering. It's just, it's just that when we go through difficulty, that's when we say, oh, I need peace, I need hope, I need... It's already been provided. So that when you go through difficulties, that peace and that hope and that grace can show up. And in this letter and, and elsewhere, the Bible connects all that with the idea of salvation. Salvation. So, let me talk a little bit about what this, this notion of salvation, because when we think of salvation, we, we kind of contorted that, that, the meaning of that word to mean some things. It's just way more than what we often think. Salvation is not simply an escape from pain. Salvation is not, is not just a one-time event. Oh, sure, there's a decision to be made and all that kind of stuff, but it's not just boomy making a one-time event. Oh, Here's salvation, I guess I'm done. No. It's not, it's not just to get you into heaven. Uh, some of us have had those experiences with people who uh, wanted to scare us into heaven, scare us into 
receiving Jesus into our hearts? Because, you know, if you die and you go, you know where, you know what that's going to be like. Right? Well, if, if that's what salvation is, that's just really fire insurance. Right? That's just fire insurance. Salvation is a gift of God. Salvation is, well, when you, re, when you hear these phrases in the, in the New Testament especially, think salvation when it, when it talks about eternal life, everlasting life, abundant life, a way of life. It's salvation by, grace, by the grace of God. So in, so in that way, Paul, when he writes this letter to the, the church in Philippi, the Christians in Philippi, in the second chapter, he says, carry out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, he's not saying you earn your salvation. He's saying live out your salvation. And the notion of fear and trembling, remember the ancient view of uh, fear being respect, awe, and that, and that sense of overwhelming, amazing power of God? Because then you see verse 13. God is the one who enables you both to want and to actually live out his good purposes. To live out God's good purposes is a part of salvation. So we go back to those verses. Since we've received these things, Paul writes, but not only that, we even take pride in our problems because we know that trouble produces endurance. Endurance produces character and character produces hope. This hope doesn't put us to shame because the love of God has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So, Paul's trying to connect a bunch of dots here. Paul's trying to connect a bunch of dots to this, that that we've received God's grace through faith, and we have hope, and we have hope in God's glory. And yet there's the practical reality that we go through difficulties, and we suffer, and there's pain, and trouble, and all those kinds of things. But but this works together. He connects the dots. And so, he uses these terms. So, we're just going to look at these terms, because sometimes it's helpful to see these other these other words, right? I mean, that when the Bible talks about suffering or problems, it uses words like trouble, tribulation, testing, affliction. All those words are about the same kind of a thing. We're going through a hard time. But that produces, Paul says, endurance. Produces endurance, right? I mean, the, the basic thing is to get stronger, you push against resistance. <laughs> Going through hard times, it, it, it produces endurance. So things like patience, perseverance, grit, we use that term these days, resilience. That those things grow in us as we are living with the difficulties we're living with, that endurance grows so that it produces character. It produces character. That's that formation of who we are. So things like wisdom, things like confidence, maturity, and and complete, the sense of being complete in your life. Character. which produces hope, which produces hope. 
Now, there's all kinds of words that, that are connected to, to the meaning of hope in the Bible, but, but things like peace, comfort. Uh, that means comfort in your difficulties, not comfort like you know, your favorite chair. Joy, love. That those, those are all the byproducts of God's grace working in us through these things. And as we go through suffering, then we build endurance, which produces character, which produces hope. Now, and often we kind of think of those kinds of things in a linear fashion, but I really think it's more of a circular kind of motion. Because I, I mean, right, you go through some kind of difficulty in life, some kind of painful thing in life, and, and it's not like you just get over it. I mean, especially if it's a significant thing in life. I mean, sometimes you kind of have to go around the circle. <laughs> and, then, and then, you know, I, I, okay, I, but I'm, I'm, I still hurt. I'm still having difficulty. So you go around the circle again. You just kind of keep going at it. That's part of building character and maturity and hope. So we learn and we grow through those things. So there's other places in the Bible that talk about this, and I'm just going to mention a couple because I think it's helpful to see that this is not just one place that Paul talks about this. Uh, the, the letter of James, the letter of James, he says in verses 3 and 4, after all, you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. There it is again. Let this endurance complete its work so that you may be fully mature, complete, and lacking in nothing. Let that endurance do that work in you. We may not see it at the moment, but you'll see it. Let that endurance complete its work in you. But it's, it's not also, it's also not, so often when we're, when we're frustrated about pain and difficulty, what we want is our own sense of relief, right? I can't take it anymore. I, I, need, to, I, need, I need to be away from that pain. <clears throat> but hear what Paul says when he wrote a letter to the Corinthian church. Paul says this, He, God, He's the one who comforts us in all our trouble so that, emphasis added, we can comfort <clears throat> other people who are in every kind of trouble. We offer the same comfort that we ourselves received from God. Now, it depends on what, what's going on in your life. It, it may be, whatever happened may be pretty raw right now. But over time, with endurance, character, hope, you begin to realize the ways that God has comforted you. You begin to realize the things that you have learned, the ways that you have developed, you have matured. You begin to understand those things. So it's kind of a reciprocal thing, right? That, that you go through difficulty and, and a good friend spends time with you and that's a comfort to you someone says this book changed my life you ought to read this book and you read it and it's like wow that was great these things happen and then over time you know of other people who are going through difficult times well now you have something to offer them now you can be a part of their comfort we comfort one another with the same comfort God has given us so how do you Help others. So one of the things you might do, and this is not this is not a fun activity, 
but it might be really helpful and meaningful. Someday just start to write out some of the pain and suffering you've experienced in life. I'm not saying dwell on it. I'm not saying, you know, this is a, a time to uh, you know, air your grievances. It's just, what are some times of pain and suffering you've had in your life? But then also, how did, in what ways did I receive comfort there? In what ways did I learn? In what ways did I grow? In what ways am I more mature because of that? Obviously, there's things, if it's really raw, that, that, that may be hard to do right now. But think of some other things. How have I learned? How have I grown? How what comfort did I receive during that time? And then you might want to, might want to do is just do, have a prayer and thank God that God was with you, that, God, that people uh, comforted you, that you learned, that you grew, that you matured. Thank you, God. And then, maybe, who can I help? Now, you may not know anybody right offhand but that, that you think, oh, I, could, I might could be helpful to that person. But it may be at least an awareness that in the pain that I've gone through in life, I do have something to offer somebody who's going through a difficult time. Anybody who's had a, a parent to die, then you can be helpful to someone who's had a parent die. Right? Whatever it is. Now, we can't, we, we're not going to solve... Excuse me. They're not going to solve the world's problems. Uh, you know, watching to see if the tsunami ever hit California was not going to help us. As a matter of fact, it, they canceled it after a while. They said it's not going to happen. Um, so, so it's at making sure you, we know the difference of our, things that are a circle of concern. That's those things that happen out in the world. I'm concerned. I hate hearing it. It's distressing. And at the same time, there's absolutely nothing I can do except pray for it. There's nothing I can do. So knowing what those things are. So when those news feeds keep hitting you, <laughs> okay, I'm going to pray for that situation, but I'm not there. I can't do anything. Maybe lament. I mean, that is a form of prayer, right? To lament things that are, not, that are unhappy, that are difficult. Prayers of lament. But then notice, what, but what are the things right around me? My, cir- my circle of influence. Who are the people right around me that I can be helpful to? What are the situations in my life that I cross paths with on a regular basis where I could offer help in that situation? I could be a comforting presence. Well, when I worked at uh, McMurray University, I uh, one day went into the classroom where we were, I was going to have a class and... Um, uh, and, so, and it was not unusual for people, for students to use that room to study because there were like whiteboards all the way around the room and they'd use it to study for midterms and finals. And so I'll walk in, you know, and a few minutes before the class would start and there's a student in there who's studying um, and not, not one of the ones in my class. And I said, I said, oh, I'm sorry, I got a class coming in. And he said, oh, no worries, I'll, I'll get out. I just needed a place, quiet place to study and use these whiteboards. So I look at the whiteboards, and they have equations, all kinds of, all written all over them. And I'm like, what in the world are you studying? And he said, this, it's, I'm studying for a, a biochem test. And I say, that's already above my intelligence. I don't know, just stop talking. I don't know what that means. And... Uh, now, this young man was known on campus, it was a small school anyway, but he was known partly because he had, had been born with a condition where uh, one of his arms did not develop the right way. 
And so that's, that's something that's noticeable, of course, uh, about a person. But he also uh, was on, he was the kicker for the football team, and he was on the track team, and he was a very smart, likable guy. So pe- people knew this guy. Uh, and I said, so, uh, so why'd you, why are you in biochem? I mean, why are you doing that? And he said, because I'm going to go to medical school, and I'm going to go work at Scottish Rite Hospital. I said, well, that's specific. And he said, when I was a kid, I didn't think I'd ever be able to do anything. And they helped me have a life. And I thought, wow, there, there you go. I mean, what difficulty that guy had been through in his young life. But he knew exactly, I want to give back. I want to give back. I can be of help and comfort to other kids who are going through difficult times. We're going to go through difficulty. Good news is, is that God promises he's going to be right there with us. We'll receive comfort in all kinds of forms. We're going to learn things. We're going to mature, even in the midst of difficulty. And we can thank God for that so that we can then offer that comfort to others. Let's pray. God, we're grateful for the ways in which uh, you have been present in our times of difficulty and pain and suffering. Uh, God, we think of... Uh, instances in our lives where uh, sometimes it seemed like you were far away. And we wondered how in the world could God let this happen? God, we know that all, all people make all kinds of decisions and do things that you would not like and you would not agree with. And it does cause pain. And yet we also remember that uh, your son went through, as the Bible calls it, a necessary suffering for us. God, we're grateful for that sacrifice. We're grateful for that life. And we recall that as Jesus, even though he gave his life, that life was restored to him. And that life has gone on to change the world. And so, God, it is in that power of Christ that we trust. It is in your word that we trust, that you are with us to comfort us. We may not see it now, but we trust that you are there. We may not see how we are maturing. We may not see how how there is any hope. And yet, help us to endure, God, because we will see it. We will experience it. And we will know of your love and your grace. And we will have hope in your glory. We pray all this in the precious name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.